Message Radio. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from MegaWare Keelguard Studios. And here we go with another episode of Bass Edge Radio, the October 1 edition, my friend. We are moving right along into this wild year of 2020, hopefully going to cap this one off with some positivity. Yeah, no rainstorms today, hopefully, Kurt, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know you are traveling and I know you're in your camper, but hey, that's great. And speaking of traveling, I received, uh, actually, it's been a couple weeks now, but uh, Dry Creek Outfitters actually had their open bass tournament that MegaWare Keel Guard was a part of and sent some great photos that obviously for the veterans uh, need to see that. But speaking of MegaWare Keel Guard, as we all know, they have been part of Bass Edge since day one. Make sure everybody, encourage everybody to go check out all of their great products at MegaWare.com or KeelGuard.com. It seems like every year with, you know, the September episodes anyway, we start talking about fall. And, and now that October is upon us, these fall patterns really starting to take shape and um, lots of different things to do this time of year to be successful catching bass. Yeah, October always, especially October 1, that is somewhat of just my mental clock of saying, okay, fall fishing is here. You, you've got that fog rising off the water. But Kurt, there are a lot of different ways to do it. One day you can slam them and the next day it can be a little finicky. Yeah, totally agree. You know, you look at some of the weather patterns over the last several weeks and, you know, you've got snow falling in, in the northwest and you still got some really kind of brutal heat down in the southeast. So there's so many, you know, diversified time frames of, you talk about geographical territory and something's going to happen and change, you know, somewhere in Michigan, but yet it hasn't changed yet, you know, down in Texas. And, and then even with that, you know, you're going to have a few hot days, a few cool days and that's going to spark some changes i'll tell you what aaron i'm excited to get into this show. we've got a great show today we're going to talk about some of these fall conditions some of these uh lessons that tournaments can provide us to understand you know some ways to attack the fall bite but uh, before we get there we are going to have another protecttheharvest.com tackle tip y'all stay tuned we've got a great episode of bass edge radio this episode's ProtectTheHarvest.com Tackle Tip with professional angler Bradley Holm. Hey guys, the number one thing that I probably enjoy throwing the most in late fall, this time of year that we're in right now, is probably a buzzbait. Um, it does multiple things. It covers a lot of water and it catches big fish. Um, you hear a lot of people talking about different lines and things that they use. I primarily throw my buzzbait on braid. I do not throw a lot of top waters on braid, but I do the buzzbait. It's a single hook. I can make long casts with it. I like the hook set because there's no stretch in my line. It's a big deal for me to be able to use braid on a buzzbait. Plus, when I get a big fish on on that single hook, I feel like I've got a pretty good chance of putting that fish in the boat. The thing that guys need to really pay attention to is, is that if you've been throwing a buzzbait on mono or fluorocarbon or things of that nature that have some stretch to it, more so than the braid, um, you really want to watch the rod that you were throwing it on because it's probably too stiff. I use a Falcon on whenever I am throwing it on braid because it has a little more give. It's a little bit slower tip. Something that's not so fast to jerk that bait away from the fish and not just jamming 
seem so hard. It's also a big deal for me that time of year to use a trailer hook. I like the Hayabusa, has a, a two-aught, is the size that I like. The trailer hook that they have is a 929, a WRN 929, and it's got the little ball system where you put the hook over the buzzbait hook and then the little ball goes right on top as a keeper. And guys, it slides up and down, and by far, on any type of trailer hook I used ever in my entire career, it's the number one Uno. Um, very successful setup that I have. The land bite ratio is really good with the braid. Like I said, guys, remember the action of the rod, and good luck fishing this fall. Great tip, Brad. Brought to you by ProtectTheHarvest.com. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, Kurt, having just completed the tournament down at uh, Table Rock for the last regular season. You mentioned it in the opening segment of how different things can be, right? There's there's so many things that's coming about from top water to fishing deep. You know, found myself uh, flipping docks with spoons to cedar trees to then catching them in inches of water. Uh, it's just kind of that time of year. And I know as you are preparing, you know, for the U.S. Open, is, is that kind of in your psyche of having, you know, all ends of the spectrum covered when it comes to uh, the bait choices and, and how you're going to be targeting bass you know Aaron it, it definitely is you know and again we, we've talked about this in the past but it's so important to keep restating fundamentals so we understand you know the process that we're trying to you know overcome in in this fall season there's so many fish doing so many different things you know it's easy in the springtime when a majority of the fish are are moving to pre-spawn or moving to spawn you know over you know a four or six or, or maybe an eight week period but you know you've got this four six or eight-week period in the fall where the fish never all do the same thing, you know, so you never have that big group or congregation or big movement. Even in the post-spawn or, you know, the early summer, a lot of the fish are moving back out or, you know, they're relating to, you know, specific types of structure and cover, where in the fall, it's really not that way. And like you speak of, you know, catching fish shallow, whether you're flipping docks or, you know, fishing deep brush in 25 or 35 foot of water. Aaron, have you been able to watch some of these tournaments that have taken place over the last four weeks? and you'll see the crazy wildness of, of the different patterns that can become in play. Kurt, it's been very interesting on these tournaments. You know, the deep water wins at the BASS Open, and yet uh, shallow seems to have dominated on the Toyota Series. You're exactly right, Aaron. So, you know, if listeners haven't seen, the Sam Rayburn 
Bassmaster Open event, one deep, top three guys, you know, out deep fishing brush piles, 20, 30 foot of water, you know, some a little bit more shallow in, in the mid depth, you know, 10 to 15 foot range. But deep was the play at Sam Rayburn. But an angler, Josh Douglas, would have 22 pounds one day and, and 15 pounds the next. Or, or a guy like Daryl Gleason, who had 27 and change one day, would come back with, you know, 10 or 11. So even though they're dialed in on a pattern, that potentially produces a big giant bag of fish it's hard to repeat this time of year you go to the toyota series you know you got the potomac river that took place and and neely henry and and of course you know you kind of expect some more shallow water activity in those types of river systems but the cool thing about the potomac spinnerbait was a big game in the winter and when fish start chasing shad in the fall start moving a little bit those types of activities are what you tend to expect with chasing bait so those lures totally kind of different concepts buzz baiting uh they caught a lot of fish on popping baits you know all shad oriented type stuff and if you think about that the shallower water fisheries are going to transition faster right we've had you know some cooler fronts and some cooler days so if you're out there fishing a shallow water fishery you're going to expect to see some of these fall changes much quicker than you are on say a highland reservoir like you're at Aaron, you know, like Table Rock, right? Yeah, Kurt, I think you hit it spot on. And, um, you know, with, with some of the Highland Reservoirs, there's all kinds of things happening. And sometimes, Kurt, it's pretty frustrating, I've got to admit. But, uh, man, when you figure out what they're doing and you can get those bites, I, I think you got to kind of lean on them hard because they might not be there the next day. Yeah, no doubt. You know, in, in my preparation for the U.S. Open, I'm looking for the same type of thing. You know, I want to try to capitalize on a shallow bite. That's my strength. Other anglers are going to work to, you know, really put push that deeper water bite, you know, if that's their strength. So you got to kind of lean on, like you said, Aaron, what you get a few bites on, because I think if you start hopping back and forth, there's just not generally enough bites to be had trying to do all kinds of things in a, you know, in a six or eight hour period or whatever. Well, and Kurt, don't you think, the water. don't you think that messes with your mindset as well of trying to toggle back and forth perhaps let's say shallow to deep, you know, during a tournament situation or maybe just a one day scenario to where that that's the only day that you have to be on the water. I think this time of year it does. I think you could pull that off in in the spring or early summer, but I don't think that, you know, you can typically pull that type of movement, you know, shallow to deep or, or, you know, running uh, several different patterns during the fall season because, Again, the fish so scattered, there's just generally not that many bites to be had. Now, you get later in the fall, and, and we'll, we'll certainly talk about this And you know, November shows and even early December. You know, later in the fall, you do have more fish doing more of the same thing. So I think that can change maybe that time of year. But uh, this time of year in this transition, you know, this October time frame, it's a tough cookie to crack. <laughs> it's a tough cookie to crack. Yeah, so. for sure. All right. Well, I tell you what, we, we've got a fellow that's going to be on the phone here real shortly, a West Coast angler that cracked the nut on the FLW title championship. Y'all hang tight. Bass Edge Radio is going to bring you another awesome guest with the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. I'm professional angler Bradley Roy. I am FLW Tour Pro Wade Strelick. I am professional angler Marty Robinson. I am farm to feet pro angler Andy Montgomery. I'm BASS elite angler Alton Jones Jr. I'm Dave Wolak and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron and Kurt. 
know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. After a crazy year on the FLW Pro Circuit, the champion was crowned at the title championship on Sturgeon Bay in Wisconsin. A veteran of FLW and a certified true Westie from Southern California took home the sack of cash. Super pumped to chat with the 2020 FLW title champion, Rusty Sawiski, in this episode of Bass Edge Radio. Thanks for taking time to hook up with us today, Rusty. Oh, thanks for having me, Kurt. I love your show. I'm always uh, keeping one on what's going on with you. And, you know, we fished together this year and I got to meet you a little bit. So you bet. I'm pumped to be on the show. Well, thanks, man. It's awesome to have you. Yeah, Rusty, we're looking forward to this episode, diving off into your story. Before we get there, though, I have to ask, you know, the, the drive from any tournament to Southern California can be quite long. This one had to be a little bit different. I'm curious to know, how was your drive back to Southern California with Kelly, considering you had a trophy and a check in your possession? Always makes it sweet. You know how that goes. I actually had to stay uh, one extra day. I shouldn't say had to. I was happy to do it. I did a little thing with FLW. They call it, like, I think they call it day five. Um, yeah, so we didn't leave till Monday. Yeah, we didn't leave till Monday. I traveled with Wade Strelick, so we just kind of took our time. And I was about three quarters of the way home and decided I was going to go spend a few days at my parents' cabin in Colorado. They go there for the summer every year. And this year, the way it's gone, we missed our planned trip there. So we surprised visited them and spent three nights up there. It took us a whole week to get home, but it was very relaxing and enjoyable. Awesome, Rusty, man. I was so happy to see you pull that out, man. It was an exciting event, you know, the MLF format with FLW. You know, the interesting thing that maybe a lot of people aren't aware of is you've had a lot of success in the past. You took off several years from fishing the pro circuit um what made you pull back initially after having that success just timing in life really uh, a little bit of business stuff that was going on with me i've been um, an owner of a construction company with a partner since i was 21 years old i've had a lot of success in that but with that especially a partner we had our down years uh some fighting and stuff that we had to go through but that was a little part of it, and but really the big thing was just the age of my children. At the time, I felt like I needed to be home the most. I right. was actually probably Aaron, in the best financial shape then, but uh, you know, you know how that goes. You just gotta just roll with it. Right. Aaron and I have been doing this podcast for uh, gosh together. Aaron and I have been eight years, and Aaron's been doing the podcast for uh, Aaron. Don't don't date it here, but I think it's thirteen years. Lucky thirteen, and we typically have a dragged out, drawn out fight at least once a year. Isn't that right <laughs> yeah I, yeah i was gonna say i think you're being uh sometimes it's once a day when we're when we're uh you know doing these shows rusty so don't let him kid you yeah we we all know how i can go i mean you know i have success 
with my partner for many, many years, but the end got rough. And then, you know, my kids were at that age. And also what a big part of it was my 2011 year was the last year I fished on the uh, FLW tour. And it was horrible for me. Um, I had a lot of equipment failure. You know what? I need to rephrase that because my equipment didn't fail. I broke it. It was one of those years. I broke everything I touched. I knocked a a couple lower, lower units off. I blew up my motor twice by just, you know, bad situations, got stuck in a bunch of trash one time and tried to power through it. And right. you, you know what happens. Um, sure, sure. Seven days, seven competition days I lost that year. Unbelievable. And you can't, well, you know, Kirk, man. Yeah, you can't recover from that. One right. fish, yeah, one fish can keep you from making a check at any given tournament or one fish can keep you out of the champion. You know what I mean? Just little things. So when you lose that many days of competition, I was just frustrated and kind of over it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the cool thing about this is, man, you kept fishing out West, obviously, you know, a standout angler by any Western standards and obviously now on the national front, but at that particular time, you know, you fished what was the Everstart and the Costa series now is the Toyota series. And you kept having, you know, solid years of performance, solid years of performance. And then you returned to the pro circuit in 2020. What were your goals coming into this year? I mean, obviously you capped it off with the Supreme ending, right? But when you started this year, were you just out to have some fun? Was it, you know, you had an axe to grind to get back some of those days that you missed several years ago when when you kind of had that final rough year. What was your goals coming into 2020? So I guess I have an unusual story. That part of it was uh, really driven a lot by I love the idea of no co-anglers. I love the opportunity to fish two years and maybe get to no entry fees. Mm-hmm. Something I've always felt like our top levels should be no entry fees. Right. But really probably what pushed me over the edge was uh, I qualified for the uh, championship at Cumberland, one of my favorite lakes on the planet, in 19. So um, went there, obviously. Uh, I was actually traveling with one of my home team partners, John Strelick, Wade's dad. And uh, we went there and I had a great tournament. I was the highest finishing guy from the Western Division. And that qualifies you for the Forest Wood Cup. Right. And I was just about as pumped as I could be. I've only made three before that. So not only was I looking at a guaranteed $15,000 check for last place, but, you know, I got real close to winning it when it paid a million dollars quite a few years ago. And I, you know, always wanted to scratch that itch one more time. Yeah, you had a top five at that event. I recall that, yes. Yeah, and, you know, top five is good. It sounds good, but I was leading after day three, and I should have won it. I let the moment probably overtake me a bit. But um, I want another shot at that, Kurt. You know, yep. you know, I, I felt like I could probably handle a little bit better. But then, as you know, uh, MLF bought FLW, right. acquired it. I don't know how you quite say that. And uh, everything kind of went wayside for me. They had to draw a line in the sand somewhere, and they uh, stopped. The Forestwood Cup was not going to happen. The next year, it was a whole new circuit. So the few guys that got hurt were just us few guys that qualified for the Through the Forestwood Cup. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it wasn't uh, really that big of a deal, but, you know, missed opportunity. So I'm like, man, I felt like I need to get back there. Uh, Just everything felt like the stars were aligning for me. You know, I could uh, financially afford to go do the tour again. I love the idea of no co-anglers. So I just decided I talked to my wife. I committed myself to two years. I don't think you should ever do anything for one year because a lot of things could happen. And uh, off I went. Wow. Well, you know, Rusty, sitting here and and listening, obviously I knew some of your story did not know that much detail, but 
it, it reminds me, we spent a lot of time on kind of the mental aspects, you know, of, of the sport. And, and Jay McNamara's book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, uh, talks about a couple of the principles that you just mentioned. And it, and it appears, and correct me if I'm wrong, but perhaps that reset, that mental reset of realigning your priorities, recognizing what you needed to do in the moment with the kids and the business is very similar to kind of being on the water and understanding, hey, you know what, this isn't working. I need to make an adjustment, switch a bait, switch a location. And I want to tie that into kind of coming into the Sturgeon Bay with your mindset. You know, you finished 20th in the Angler of the Year standings. You're preparing to really fish a new format since the championship is the MLF style. Does your practice style change in that situation or that circumstance? Yeah, it had to because we typically this year had three days of practice. One tournament, we got four for some reason. I don't remember what it was, but typically it's three. So basically we're losing a third of our practice for the biggest tournament we fished all year. And we all recognize that. And I'm sure every one of us changed our game plan a little bit. I just decided I wasn't going to slow down and finesse fish in practice. I knew I was probably going to have to catch them that way in the tournament, but I wanted to fish as fast as I could in practice. So I basically kept bait casters on my deck for that practice. Interesting. Some of the pros and cons on the MLF style event, you know, for many of the anglers, most all, I think only two individuals in the tournament had fished the MLF style before. What were some of the pros and cons? You know, let's, let's talk about what you really liked about the MLF style. You know, you talk about the MLF style, there's probably 300 professional anglers fishing national tours when you take the pro circuit, the BBT and the elite series all together and only 80, well, I would say maybe 90 or so of those anglers have fished this style event so what was your impression of the style of event and what were some of the things that you liked about it so i was looking forward to it because i'm a student um i have as you do both you gentlemen have lots of friends that fish that style Mm -hmm. so i watch it because i like watching my buddies and plus i i think they put on a really good show so i was fairly educated on how it went I wanted to try it really bad, and there's no better time to try a new format when you're guaranteed to get a check. You know, so right. you can do I'm getting something. And I think uh, maybe my age helped a little bit with uh, the mental part of it. I actually had a game plan. Um, I got lucky because I didn't have much going in practice, but my game plan was to manage my fish. All but one of the Forcewood Cups that I fished before were similar in that the last couple of days we zeroed out again, and I've always liked that. I've always liked that. It just kind of puts a whole new mental twist on the game. And it keeps somebody from winning for one lucky day, which I hate man, I, I hate to say lucky because in fishing, I'm lucky just to be able to fish. But uh, you know what I'm saying? Just have that one sure. day where you stumble on a couple eight-pounders and you win a four-day tournament on that alone. Right. Um, so I, I do like that. Like Kurt Mitchell, he came out of the gates. And man, I don't know. I think he caught 120 pounds or so. Yes, Not he did. Yeah. Fish. Yeah. He, I mean, he left his best spot. I mean, I've watched a lot of it now. So looks to me like he left his areas several times during the day, finding new areas and still just hammering them. But all <laughs> said and done, we we're all at zero on day five, you know, so right. it didn't really matter how good he caught them. And I knew that. So I was not concerned with that. Um, I was a little concerned with my first day performance. I thought I could do a little better than six fish, but I learned a lot. Actually, I learned most, most of what I learned was just uh, Wade and I chat a lot about the day as it went, what we could have done differently, try to help each other. And that kid, he's the best sure. person I know, by the way. And uh, he mentally helped me a lot understand that I was, I think, partially due to my practice. I was fishing really fast in practice. And then um, even as the tournament started, I was fishing over him. 
I'd catch one and I would just keep going, troll more on 70, <laughs> thinking more of just kind of catching these rogue fish. Uh, in reality, there was a school there and um, he helped me understand how to maximize that. And uh, that I learned as each day as it goes, as we sure. do, things are going well. And uh, yeah, that helped a lot. That's awesome. What did you think about the score tracker? You talked about, you know, kind of your maturity, maybe helping you in, in some of those factors. Did you enjoy that aspect of the MLF style of knowing the score as the game is being played up to the minute? Yeah, I did. Uh, I think you have to use it, whether you're doing well or terrible that day, you just have to use it to your advantage. So like my days that I was doing bad, I actually took the opportunity to ask my boat official because I knew of three guys fishing my area. So yeah. I would say, how's, I probably shouldn't mention names, but how's so-and-so doing? You know, yeah, and yeah. like, worse than you, basically. I said, okay, <laughs> how's this guy right. doing? <laughs> worse than you, you know, like we, that little area was not going off day one. Like there was four of us in it within eye shot of each other. And we all caught about the same thing. We all caught nice. about five or six keepers, you know? So right. in that aspect, I, uh, it kind of helped me as the tournament went on to realize that I believe that day, the reason they didn't bite it was greased off calm. It's kind of a, big protected area or it can be with the way the wind was blowing and they just didn't fire that day because mm -hmm. the rest of the tournament I, I didn't change areas and the rest of the tournament they started biting like really good very cool quickly before we go to break i say quickly but you made the move in the last hour to essentially seal the deal you know walk us through that process of to leave somewhere that's gotten you you know you're in second place or top three you know you're you're kind of bouncing in that vicinity there's you know two hours left you're in the final period of the title championship you've got a chance to win this area has essentially put you in that place right it's put you in the ability to potentially take home the crown and be the champion you leave the area to go to a different spot and, and try to capitalize walk us through that mental process and then when you when when it does you know come to fruition that you you win break that down for us quickly so that's one of the hardest decisions fishermen make ever is leaving a spot that's been really really good to you to go basically generate a bite somewhere right so yeah but i had to uh i i spent enough time on that spot uh, the wind conditions weren't allowing me to fish it correctly and i knew that and my trolling motor batteries were done and I just, I've been there plenty of times and you have to learn to trust your instincts. And I had that little voice telling me, man, just go. And if you don't get a bite, go again. If you don't get a bite, go again. Because one thing I did learn this whole week is uh, it doesn't take long to get a bite through there. So uh, I did finally make that tough mental decision. And uh, looking back, well, like watching some of the video later, I was basically talking to myself even after I made the move, telling myself, I can't win anywhere but over there, but I have to go just get some momentum going again. So that's what I went to do. And you kind of know the rest of it. I went over there and got a bite fairly quickly. Nice one, three pounds. Yeah. And a short and then the big one. Didn't really know I'd had uh, locked it up. I thought I had to catch another two pounder. My math was a little off. So with uh, when I stood up and kind of fixed my, you know, my drop shot was a little messed up. I had to retie and stuff. By the time I got to stand up to make another cast, it was about seven, eight or seven minutes left. I thought I needed to catch another two pounder. And then um, my boat official did finally let me know that I was in the lead. I, right, right. That was the longest, <laughs> uh, most difficult seven minutes of my life. Right. No doubt. Rusty, man, this is great stuff. Hang tight. We're going to power pull down for a quick pause in the action. We'll be right back with more from FLW title champion Rusty Soeski. Hang tight, y'all. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real world punishment, the power pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift. 
PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent. PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Mercury Marine returns with professional angler Rusty Seleski in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. Be sure to visit BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Rusty, I love the theme of this interview, you know, diving off into kind of the decision-making piece and the mental aspects. And, you know, when we've spent kind of the tail end of summer, right? We're into the fall now, but talking about smallmouth fishing and oftentimes it's hard to argue that catching a smallmouth is not one of the most exciting things, but sometimes it can be a little, I don't want to say boring, but of how we have to go about doing it. But, uh, you know, a lot of times you're drop shots, dragging plastics around on, you know, rocky structure in the late summer kind of does the trick on a smallmouth fishery once you land and are around the bass. If you had to pick one or two things that led you to your victory, what would those be? Okay, um, I think... The willingness and practice to look as much water as I possibly could, as fast as I could, helped. Um, I didn't know what I had found. You guys can relate to this. I found enough stuff to kind of analyze it and go, okay, this is my best direction to go. It's where the bigger ones were. And then uh, knowing the type of format and stuff, I'm skipping around a little. I'm sorry, but I've won practice many times. Many times I've won practice. We all have and I can't remember doing good in the term that I won practicing. And so this is kind of, it got a little better for me every day. I kind of, you know, it came to me or, or you know how it is. I, I found the, the pattern that was developing and, the, you know, the fish were kind of changing the way they were feeding. And uh, I recognized that early. I really did. Uh, the more I look at it, I was catching them on these real steep banks. And uh, I ended up winning the tournament on a big flat point. And in practice, that kind of fishing for me was not good. I did get a couple bites in those areas. So I don't know. I think uh, it was a long way around your question, but really probably just uh, that and my ability to um, kind of reason with Wade a lot of times. He helps me understand what's going on out there. That's cool. You know, oftentimes, Rusty, when we when we talk about, you know, Keith, when we hear that, you know, the angler didn't really know exactly what they had until tournament time. You know, they knew they had a couple good areas, but then one of those areas turns out to be a lot better than they knew that was possible. So, you know, that's a pretty common theme. And I think anglers win because they're looking at a lot of water and they have a lot of options to potentially go to and once they land on that option that they realize they're capitalizing much better than they thought they would originally they get onto that developing pattern like you speak of and um and and when we can do that in tournament fishing which i feel like is probably some of the toughest things to do and that's why when you win practice it's hard to do well in the tournament and when you don't have a great practice but you get a few clues and then you can develop those clues into something special that's when you find yourself on the champions you know podium so very interesting with that i think that it's important to you know kind of repeat that for the listeners just so that they understand if they go out and have a tough day 
okay? It's not always bad. You know, just one, two clues can, can lead you to, you know, a spot at the title championship and be a champion like Rusty Swalski. So that's that's awesome to hear. Rusty, I'm interested to change some gears, though, real quick. Look forward to some fall fishing. U.S. Open's coming up out west. We've got several elite events left on the schedule. Tons of bass opens and Toyota series remain. Um, what are Rusty's secrets to attacking fall bass? Top water. I throw a lot of top water. I practice strictly with top water. And then um, rarely catch them on top water in the tournament, to be honest with you. But that's just kind of, you know, you can cover, there's so many variations of top water. And I could go into that if you're interested, but we all know um, you can really cover some water and um, kind of learn what's happening in the lake. You know, after a couple of days of practice, you start learning, wow, I haven't got a bite on a point or wow, I haven't got a bite in the back third of a cove yet. You know what I mean? You kind of you start developing a little pattern and then uh, hopefully you turn that into here's where they live. And I don't know how I'm going to catch them yet, but maybe a jig, maybe a work. You know what I mean? You just got to kind of figure that out as you go. But first, you got to find them. So top water is key for me. Yeah. You know, Rusty, most anglers in the fall rely on the presence of, of bait to be successful, especially I, I would say as the water temps cool, you know, into the 60s. How do you more or less combat the lack of typical number of bites an angler generally receives in the fall? I mean, you know, kind of finding an area with a bite or two, then deciding to keep moving or to stay can be pretty tough. Can you walk us through what goes through your decision process? Okay, so that's very interesting. We're getting ready to go to Lake Mead, and that is one of those places that a good day there is getting five or six bites by the time the tournament gets there. Uh, there's a lot of pressure. So I practice with no hooks. Like, I throw topwater with no hooks. A lot of guys roller hooks and do all that. Um, I'm not looking to figure out which topwater they're going to bite best or anything. I'm just trying to locate some place where I might be able to get one bite because a lot of guys forget, man, I'm not, I'm not trying to find a spot usually in the fall to catch five. I'm going to catch one here. But every day, I can probably catch one or two there. And then if I have five or six spots like that, you develop a little rotation maybe. And then once tournament starts, that rotation might turn into something else. But that's about all you can do on a tough fishery. So you can't expect too much maybe going in. Rusty, some of the, you know, we, we don't see a lot of national tournaments in the fall. You know, you got elite series events left. Um, you know, you, the U.S. Open's been in the fall now for, I think, the last uh, five, five or six years. But, um you know, as far as the Opens, the Bassmaster Opens and the Toyota Series, you know, you get the championship in the fall generally. But as far as regular season events, this year is unprecedented because of, you know, the COVID deal and, and all the rescheduling that's had to been done. Typically, you don't see a lot of baits that are predominant in fall patterns because we're not typically fishing this much in the fall. If you had to look into your crystal ball and mention a few fall baits, you know, you, you kind of mentioned topwaters, but, you know, let's say style of topwaters or style of other, you know, subsurface lures that you feel like are going to hit the national scene this fall that an angler can take out tomorrow and utilize and say, you know what, Rusty mentioned this might be a good lure or these three or four lures might be good in the fall. I'm going to give these a shot. What would those, you know, few lures be that not necessarily the, the technique, but the actual baits themselves that you could say, hey, this is something that some guys, you know, you, some anglers want to try out this fall. Uh, I catch topwater fish typically on walking baits, but I don't necessarily practice with a lot of walking baits because they're not as fast as I want to fish when I'm practicing. So in practice, I will throw 
whopper plopper style baits sometimes uh buzz baits i love buzz baits they're so fast for covering water i really like a toad bait by itself instead of you know a lot of guys throw buzz baits with toad on it but i actually prefer just the little toad baits um really you can cover a lot of water that's a great way to uh just find out where there's some activity and, and then in windy conditions you can't beat a spinnerbait i always go to a spinnerbait but then once once i locate them i have carolina rig if the bottom is not soft we have to do all that a lot in the west i'm not sure about back east because i don't have all that much experience fishing back there i mean quite a bit but not that much in the fall but we get a soft bottom sometimes there's like a moss and stuff that grows so you can't really fish a jig bottom contact bait very well then the carolina rig uh, swim baits and stuff like that come in more into play and even drop shot at times so those are the baits i would pick for the fall awesome great selection rusty we always work this little special segment into the show it is the nitro performance bass boats listener question ask you to help us with this question today it was sent in by trevor nolden from washington state trevor asks this all spring and summer i've been catching fish but i can't seem to find big bass in and around the areas i'm fishing i fish docks weed beds offshore humps utilizing several different techniques but can never find the one that seems to get the big bass to bite i'm not sure if i'm fishing wrong areas or doing something you know that's just not targeting those bigger fish lakes are in eastern washington and northern idaho so they're big natural clear water lakes should i be looking for a different type of structure or using a specific technique what kind of advice can you give trevor wow trevor sounds like i'd probably be having the same problem you're having um there is times on those particular type of reservoirs that I like also a big crankbait for big fish. You're not going to get hardly any bite. It's the type of bait I throw. Uh, if I'm in a tournament and I catch 12 pounds and I know it's going to take more than that to win, once I get 12 pounds, I won't keep beating on the school that will only maybe get me to 12 and a half or 13 pounds. That's when I'll pick up a big 10 XD, something like that. Uh, maybe have my partner throw a big swim bait, match the hatch. Where you're at, you may have some uh, trout. Big bass love trout, so I'd be mimicking those kind of fish, and uh, I spend the rest of the day grinding for one bite. That's what I would do. Well, good stuff, Rusty. Thanks for tackling that question for Trevor. And Trevor, we appreciate certainly you sending that in. We do need you to do one more thing, and that is to simply log on to BassEdge.com, click the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information, let us know you heard Rusty answer your question on episode 337, and we will get the Bass Edge gift sent directly to you. And a reminder to Bass Edge listeners to send those questions into the show via our website, BassEdge.com. Just click the Ask the pros tab to have a shot at winning another gift from bass edge radio you can also email us support at bassedge.com or leave us a comment on our facebook instagram or twitter media pages well rusty once again congratulations on the title championship win and uh, carving out time to be with us on the show today before we uh, go on to the next segment and close the show down any final thoughts or advice for the bass edge audience yeah so I can tell you that fishing is probably more mental than physical, but you have to be in pretty good physical shape. Wouldn't you agree, Kurt? I mean, yeah, man, yes. 
you know, I'm not that young anymore. And, uh, man, I was tired at the end of this year. So, <laughs> you know, keep your mind strong, but also don't be afraid to do a little exercise before you start hopping along a season like that. Cause that's one thing I wish I was a little more prepared for is the physical part of it. I kind of forgot how uh, draining it can be. You know, we get up early, we stay late. I remember seeing, you know, Kurt and I were in the same areas a few times camping and things. And he's just like me. He's one of those last guys off the water, you know, have to cook dinner in the dark and it wears on you after a, a whole year. So. Yeah, preparing uh, physically and mentally is probably something I'm going to work a little harder on for next year. That's great advice. I need to do the same thing, Rusty. Man, I'm so stoked for your success. It was great to see you, you know, with the big win. Glad we were able to hook up here on Bass Edge Radio. Definitely look forward to seeing you in a few weeks out at Lake Mead for the Juan Bass U.S. Open. Uh, Bass Edge listeners, make sure you check that out. It's it's one of the uh, premier events in bass fishing, and certainly um, I feel like, you know, one that should be on everyone's bucket list. But uh, y'all stay tuned. Bass Edge, Aaron and I will be right back in just a moment. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also from MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the PowerPole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, PowerPole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, PowerPole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. PowerPole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. enjoyed the conversation with Rusty Kurt. We just have always talked a lot about the mental piece, right, uh, in bass fishing and decision making. And I thought he added a whole nother layer to it. And then I, I liked how he closed with, you know, not only needing to be in mental shape, but also physical shape. Yeah, totally agree with that part of it. Um, I'm seeing those transformations happen in life. So, uh, yeah, definitely got to stay in shape with the game. You know, if you get out there and you get fatigued, you're going to make some poor decisions. So you need to be fresh. You need to be in shape so that you can make good decisions and do it confidently and keep the mental game burning in your brain so you don't become complacent. You know, it would have been easy for Rusty to stay out there and fish that flat point for the final, you know, two hours of the period. But uh, he had that tap on the shoulder, that little whisper in his ear, and uh, he did not ignore it. And because he didn't ignore it, he's FLW title champion, which is really, really cool and paid a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's what it's about. So you got to listen to those little, little things and being in shape and not getting overly fatigued over, you know, even just a one day event, you get hot out there at, you know, 90 degrees in the summertime or, you know, it gets cold. 
you know, in the wintertime, in the fall. And um, if, if you're not in a position to be mentally sharp, you, you're not going to fish as well as your potential is. No doubt. And for those that are perhaps new to uh, the Bass Edge episodes, we did speak about uh, Dr. Jay McNamara's book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. That is an absolute must, in my opinion, uh, in everybody's toolkit when it comes to helping to improve that mental space. So uh, in the meantime, be sure to check out all things Bass Edge through our social media platforms and certainly on Bass edge.com looking forward to our upcoming episode 338 in two weeks where we will have another can't wait to see who you've got on the end of the line for that one kurt so surprise uh, that's right that's right so in the meantime be well everybody be safe out there and we look forward to hanging with you on another episode of bass edge come october 15th for kurt dove i am aaron martin so long everybody Edge is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lawrence Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.